The most distracting part about this show was the commentator on the microphone talking throughout the entire show. He even talked during people's individual routines. There's a difference between commentating and adding value and just talking to talk. I was shocked when the commentator even went as far as to literally say, and I'm not kidding, that he is waiting for people who did not win to get off stage, to call them over to the microphone, to tell the audience all about how disappointed they are for not winning. Is bodybuilding about selfies, steroids, magazines, and muscles? How do I become a successful pro bodybuilder or fitness competitor? Where do I even start if I'm new? And the biggest question of all, what are the judges looking for anyway? Even today with the internet, many people first discover bodybuilding by word of mouth. A lack of regulation has caused a boom of unqualified coaches, scattered info, biased advice, dangerous protocols, and posing trends that are a hot mess. After 20 years in the business, I have seen it all. Week after week, I'm gonna talk about taboo topics that get swept under the rug, provide you tips and strategies to gain a competitive edge and stand out on stage in any division or federation. I'm gonna answer all the burning industry questions without the bias. I have competed across six federations, earned pro status in three, and judged in two. I've coached posing and choreography for men and women in all federations and divisions. I know just how much competing means to you. I'm your host, Michelle Welcome, and you are listening to the Everything Else in Bodybuilding podcast. Be sure to download your free guide, Five Things Every Bodybuilder and Fitness Competitor Needs to Know Before Your Next Show at eeinbb.com. That's www.eeinbb.com. What's up, guys, and welcome to 2024. I wish you all a prosperous and adventurous year ahead. I'm certainly looking forward to both myself. I'm in the middle of organizing a possible in-person posing tour this year. Everything is being worked on right now, so I will update you guys in the upcoming episodes on what's to come. After the podcast tour we did in 2022, we spent all of 2023 pretty local to home and focused on the growth of the virtual classes, which turned out to be a huge success. I had hundreds of people attend my virtual posing clinics this year and hundreds of students in my weekly virtual posing classes. I lost count how many students earned their pro cards. This status seems to matter to people, so I might someday just count them up and see how many there were. Although just thinking about counting them up for social status makes me cringe. So I don't know. I had three virtual students win my favorite award, the Best Poser Award, both men and women, which is the award for the best presentation in an entire show, by the way. Not one division, the entire freaking show. So that one makes me super excited. It was quite the growth year, and I'm looking forward to scaling these classes even further this year and making even more of you champions. In the meantime, just a quick heads up that I'm about to launch a new live virtual eight-week program called Strut and Heels. The concept is to turn your walk in heels into a strut and become more confident and sassy on stage. Enrollment opens up January 10th to the program, and classes start February 1st. So if you want in, message me on social media, or just come join the Everything Else in Bodybuilding Podcast Insiders group on Facebook, and you can just reach me there. All right, so that pretty much is it for updates. Now on to the gossip. Beginning with my thoughts and observations on the IFBB Olympia. The show itself is always quite the production, but they always seem to flop with the live stream. 
When the competitors did their individual routines, you couldn't hear the sound of their music piped through the live stream, so you just didn't get the full impact of the presentations. The judging is always pretty accurate. The quality of the competitor on an IFBB Olympia stage is high caliber. It's splitting hairs, you guys, to find faults with people. And even the smallest of faults can cost a title. Even if you don't agree with the winner, it's not like the winner was someone that makes no sense at all representing the category. But there was a lot of anger and frustration about the overall men's open bodybuilding championship. Derek Lunsford, he won this title, and many of Hottie Chupin's fans fired up their keyboards and went on a posting frenzy about how unfair it was that Hottie did not win. You guys, Derek even received death threats. I mean, really, people, death threats. Both Hottie and Derek looked incredible. The other category that got a lot of post-show reviews was the bikini category. And this is no surprise to me because of the popularity of this division. Jennifer Dory took back her title. Maureen rightfully grabbed second. And Ashley Kaltwasser slid into third. Many people were upset to not see Laura Lee Chapados in the top. This just goes to show how much people really don't know what the competitors are being scored on. You guys, bikini is all about balance and symmetry. Laura Lee is one of the most beautiful competitors on that stage, but she overbuilds her glutes and they overpower her in her back pose. Giant glutes in relation to the rest of a body is not a balanced physique. She did not deserve top three. There was a lot of hype about Issa Pacini coming into the show. She won the Olympia back in 2019 with an incredible physique. In recent years, she has been slipping in placements despite having one of the most incredible shoulder-to-waist ratios I've ever seen in a front pose. In recent years, her backside has, has looked glossy and distorted, and there's just been something really odd about it. This year, although she brought up her backside, she thickened everything on her physique, so her front pose just doesn't look as impressive to me as it used to. But that's just my opinion. Jennifer Dory's proportioned and incredibly small waist make her such a standout. She earned that title and will always be tough to be if she doesn't do anything drastic and continues to bring this incredible package to the stage going forward. There was a lot of hype about the classic physique division and whether Chris would take the title again or get beat by Dino or Urs. Dino came in guns blazing, but Urs wasn't even in the top two. This goes to show that social media photos and videos mean nothing until you stand on stage next to each other. Chris has such incredible stage presence. He not only has a champion physique, he does embody the champion through and through. The 212 category had a major upset when two-time champion Sean Clarita claimed the second place spot and a new champion, Keon Pearson, was crowned. Sean brings a super crisp and mature physique. Keon brings incredible shape and proportion. Both were incredible, but I think Keon's shape had that wow factor that was enough to edge past Sean. Women's figure is such an interesting division now. I remember when it first came out, everybody wanted to know who the top five were in the figure category. There is very little hype these days about this category, and it's now not even a part of the Arnold Classic competition either, which is so mind-blowing to me, having competed myself in the very first Arnold competition for figure. Sydney Gillen reclaimed her title again for the sixth time, and Sydney embodies grace, elegance, and feminine muscle, and she's just, she's just such a standout that I think as long as she wants to compete, she's always going to be hard to beat by anyone. Same with the wellness and women's bodybuilding divisions. Franciella in wellness and Andrea Shaw are both incredibly hard to beat. Franciella is now the three-time champion, although Issa Nunez gave her a run for her money this year. As long as Fran looks like Fran in her front pose, with that microscopic waist and jaw-dropping good looks, she's always going to be hard to beat. And Andrea Shaw is now the four-time bodybuilding champion. She, too, has an incredible flow, all the muscle size in all the right places, and maintains a femininity to her physique that will always be tough to beat, too. 
women's physique was really interesting this year. Now, Sarah reclaimed her title, but it was a close call. I personally prefer Natalia, but I can see why she didn't win. I don't know for sure, but I think she might have just put on too much muscle and outsized herself from this category. Sarah also put on a lot of size, but the way that the muscle sits on Sarah with her long limbs, it just doesn't look as overpowering on her as the added muscle does on Natalia. I'm not a huge fan of some of Sarah's posing style too, particularly her front double bicep where she lifts one hip in the air with a straight leg, but it didn't matter. Sarah reclaimed her title, and she's a huge advocate and supporter of the women's physique division, so she's always going to be a great representative and a great ambassador as always. The talk about men's physique always includes so much smack talking, but there was also some announcements made right before the Olympia about changes coming in 2024 to this division. Now, starting this year, there will be some weight limits added, some changes to the suit style and length requirements, and an emphasis on rewarding more balanced physiques and marking down disproportionately small legs in relation to the upper body. Aaron Banks, he was the last year's winner. He dropped a third while Ryan Terry claimed the title. I think Ryan winning was such a statement because he has very muscular legs and great stage presence. Also kind of cool, Jeremy Buendia, who you guys might know, he started competing in this category when the division started. He's also a four-time Olympia champion. He came back to the Olympia this year for the first time in something like five years, and he claimed eighth place. And like I said earlier, how you place really depends on who you stand next to. So the lineup has changed since he's competed. So it'll be interesting to see what Jeremy does going forward after placing eighth at this year's Olympia. The most exciting division to watch is the fitness division, and this year had quite the mix of excitement and tragedy. Missy Trescott suffered an injury during her routine that put her out of the running for the title, despite being the front runner after the physique round. Newcomer and natural athlete Taylor May shocked the audience, including myself, with the most incredible fitness routine I've ever seen. You guys, if you haven't seen it, you need to go look her up. Her routine was so good, she landed second place despite not placing very high in the physique round. Her physique is perfect, if you ask me, but she's just outsized by the other girls. And I hope she doesn't get influenced to get bigger in size because she is just perfect. And congratulations, Oksana Grishina. She claimed the title this year, and she is now the five-time champion. So that about covers the IFBB. Well, except to let you know that if you're competing in the NPC or the IFBB this year, I have a virtual posing clinic coming up for all men and women NPC divisions on January 13th. Your time depends on your division. Just go to learntopose.com, scroll down to the services section, and you'll find the clinic listed there. There is always so much to say about the IFBB because so many of the competitors are known by their first names, having been competing at the Olympia for a long time, and most of the categories have so much depth and talent that you know the first names of the entire top five, even the entire top 10 plus for the men's open. Now, because of the amount of variety, overturn, and smaller size of the other organizations, you really just don't get to know the competitors in other organizations like you do in the IFBB. Bodybuilding is my passion, and I have a special love for natural bodybuilding since that's where I personally started, so I would love to see the growth, interest, and hype increase for natural organizations, too. Anything's possible with social media and, of course, money. So having said all of that, my coverage won't be as in-depth on the athletes and the other organizations. Instead, I'll provide some overall insight and observations on the good and the bad in the natural bodybuilding and other bodybuilding's biggest shows. Starting with the PNBA Natural Olympia. The Natural Olympia started in the 90s and positioned itself as the direct opposite of the non-drug-tested organizations. They even go as far as to put you on what they call the wall of shame for life if you fail a drug test. 
The PNBA streams their natural Olympia from a ballroom in Las Vegas, and their largest division was the men's physique category, and it ends the show. The smallest was the women's bodybuilding, which didn't even have five competitors. It was either two or three. For an international and pro-level show, the posing surprisingly needs a lot of improvement. I think to show up on a pro stage, you need to be prepared in all aspects from physique to presentation. The most distracting part about this show was the commentator on the microphone talking throughout the entire show. He even talked during people's individual routines. There's a difference between commentating and adding value and just talking to talk. I was shocked when the commentator even went as far as to literally say, and I'm not kidding, that he is waiting for people who did not win to get off stage, to call them over to the microphone, to tell the audience all about how disappointed they are for not winning. I shook my head the first time he said it, but when he repeatedly kept doing it, yes, he kept looking for losers to embellish about their disappointment, I struggled to keep watching the show. The lighting was rough on the live stream too. The glare from the banners made things difficult to see as well. So it's a great natural show in that it has an international presence, but the production of the show and the overall preparedness of the athletes need some improvement. Next up, the OCB Jordan Cup. I can honestly say that the OCB is one of the most put together and professional organizations out there. Their efforts are paying off because the Orton was so big this year, over 200 pro athletes, that it is now going to be a two-day event with over $63,000 in guaranteed prize money. Every first place competitor earns $5,000 in guaranteed payout. This is distinct because not all pro shows and other organizations have guaranteed payouts, and some don't pay at all. I've been traveling the country and keeping tabs on all of bodybuilding, not just one organization. And the way the owners of the OCB treat me with such respect amazes me. In bodybuilding, you find a lot of ego. I could tell you guys so many stories about how disrespectful people have been to me over the years, but not the OCB. They want everyone to succeed. In fact, you guys, I've been hosting monthly virtual posing clinics for them for the past year after pitching them the idea late in 2022. I tried to do them for other organizations, but crickets chirped, and there was no effort on their end to make them successful. One organization even blew me off completely after I spent over a month building out their custom clinic presentations after they said they wanted me to do the clinics. When it came time to launch the clinics, they disappeared completely. To this day, I still have not received even one email correspondence. This was an incredible waste of my time and effort and extremely disrespectful to me. In contrast, the OCB has worked with me synergistically every month and puts just as much effort into their success as I do, even though they know I teach posing and stage performance for men and women in all organizations. After a year and hundreds of athletes in attendance, my virtual clinics have been a huge success. I now have the next year of virtual posing clinics for the OCB mapped out already as well. With the addition of an OCB show in Australia, I'm also looking to do a special clinic for OCB Australia that is more convenient in time since Australia is 15 hours ahead of time. So look out for that for those of you who might be across, across the world on the other side. Last month, I received a card in the mail from the organization thanking me for my contribution to the sport and the value I bring to their athletes. I almost fell over. The OCB just does things different, very respectful, organized, and committed to growth and prosperity for everyone, not just themselves. I'm excited to see what's to come for them in the future. And by the way, the champions for each of the divisions, if you haven't checked them out, there's some serious muscle on these people in every division from bodybuilding to bikini, from men's physique to figure. The only critique I have about the athletes is posing. So I hope more people come to my virtual classes so we can increase the quality of posing worldwide. I think there is a lot of room for improvement in the posing that, hear me today, is going to make a difference as the organization grows. 
As the depth of each of the divisions increases, bad posing is going to make more of a difference. The attention to details is going to matter that much more in order to earn the championship title. The WMBF has been around for 35 years and has a true worldwide presence with over 56 affiliates. Because of their longevity and the extent of their worldwide presence, their world championship competition brings some of the best natural bodybuilding physiques I've ever seen in the world. The talent pool from a worldwide stage is on another level. Winning a trophy in your local area is not the same as competing against champions from countries around the world. I watched their world championship live stream of both the amateur and pro shows, and I was blown away by how much talent there was on both stages. It wasn't just like two people in each division that were good. The entire top 10 was competitive in every category. Even the amateurs were really, really good. One of the issues I saw with the show was that the men's middleweight class was on stage for like a freaking hour. That's a really long time to be on stage without a break. Except if you were in my weekly virtual posing classes, you would be prepared for this. Insert mini plug for my classes. I kid, but really, that's a long time to judge. I do have to say, across the board, with the exception of those who are on stage for the hour, the amount of competitors in other divisions that were unable to hold their poses for extended periods of time was surprising for a pro-level stage. I even saw someone hit a front double bicep and not hold it the entire time. So he relaxed out of the pose before the judge told him to relax. This was a pro, and this is very surprising to me. In addition to all the bodybuilding classes, the bikini division had so much talent, I can only imagine the amount of brain power needed for the scoring. However, in my opinion, there was just too much variety in the bikini posing styles, and there needs to be consistency for the brand. Many of the international bikini girls were flaring their lats and quads like the IFBB Elite organization. And this is not in the rules, the judging rules to do this for this category, which makes it confusing for the athletes on what is acceptable. I think the posing requirements should be held to a higher standard. It's better for brand consistency. Your brand shouldn't be overpowered by the influence of another organization. One more thing that surprises me is that I mentioned the brand has been around for over 35 years and has 56 affiliates, and the depth of the athletes in each of the categories in the WNBF at Worlds is next level, but no one knows any of the athletes. With a worldwide audience, presence, and top quality physiques, there is very little show coverage on any of their shows. You get a little coverage of Worlds, but that's about it. No commentary, no ongoing conversations, nothing. The talent in this organization is there, but a better online presence would make all the difference. I even tried to host monthly virtual posing clinics for the WMBF, but the organization didn't provide much support, so I stopped doing them. I might host a one-off virtual posing clinic this spring, though. I'll let you know if I do. And the last organization I'm going to cover is the WBFF. What a freaking mess. A social media influencer posted about all kinds of scandalous things like rig scoring, photoshopping pictures in their magazine, a kid's page on social media with a creepy following, and just so much more. This led to a mass exodus of a lot of the top athletes and coaches in this organization. One person even posted a video of her throwing her crown in the trash. I find it sad. I competed in their pro world championships over 10 years ago when the organization was a little less extravagant than what it became. I also judged a couple of their shows back in the day too. I watched this organization grow into one where people are spending $25,000 on costumes and show prep. Like you might remember Holly Baxter telling in my interview of her about her experience competing in the WBFF. Well, even Holly left the WBFF and is now competing in the NPC. And in an even bigger blow to the organization, the Australian promoters of the WBFF just announced they cut ties with the organization and have now started their own one called FMG International, which stands for Fitness, Muscle, and Glamour. 
The divisions offered are the exact same as they were with the WBFF, with the addition of a division called Bikini Athletic and a division called Men's Physique. Another noteworthy change is they dropped marketability from the judging criteria, and now the scoring is 70% physique and 30% stage presence. They are accepting the pro status of athletes that competed in the WBFF and are welcoming them to come compete at their shows. In fact, every Australian WBFF pro has already made the switch over to FMG. So far, they have shows planned in the U.S. and Dallas and Florida to go along with their international presence. But there's no world championships this year as they grow the brand, but they do expect to hold the first one in Australia in 2025. I'll be watching to see what happens in both the WBFF and FMG organizations this year. I pitched virtual posing clinics to the WBFF and they ignored me. I might look into doing them for FMG if it makes sense. If anyone affiliated with FMG is listening in and thinks this is a great idea, just let me know. Well, that about sums up the entire year on some of the larger organizations. I really enjoy keeping up on all the organizations, not just one, because as you can see, there is good in every one of them, just as much as there is room for improvement. Knowing the different nuances of all the organizations allows me to teach not just the posing and stage presence requirements for over 10 organizations. It allows me to guide athletes who are unsure on where to go and what else might be a good option for them as they navigate their options in the sport. If you didn't hear your organization mentioned, not to worry, I still know what's up with them. They just didn't make the cut for this episode. There's only so much I can cover when there are hundreds of organizations out there. A couple of final reminders. If you're getting ready for a show this year, no matter the organization, head on over to weeklyposing.com to join my weekly virtual posing classes to help you prepare for them. If you're competing in the OCB, I have another monthly virtual posing clinic coming up January 6th, and I will have another one later this month too. If you're competing in the NPC, the next virtual posing clinic is coming up January 13th, so look out for that. For info on the clinics and classes, go to learntopose.com and scroll down to the service section for a complete list of all classes and clinics. And as mentioned at the beginning of this episode, doors to the Strut and Heels program will open January 10th, but you'll have to message me for access and info to this program. It's an exclusive eight-week live virtual program. All right, guys, happy new year. Be sure to like and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts to help the show gain coverage. If you can post it in your groups on social, that would be super cool too. And I'll be back very soon with tip number four of my 10 tips for your first show prep, along with a new group gathering episode I did with my husband, Vasilios. This is gonna be a great year. Thanks you guys for listening and being a part of the show's continued growth. Talk to you soon. Ever wonder if you are posing correctly for your division? Learn to Pose is dedicated to taking out the guesswork on how to pose for all categories in bodybuilding. Learn five ways you can improve your posing skills in five minutes guaranteed at www.learntopose.com. There are free posing tutorials available for the bikini, figure, and men's physique categories. More on the way for other divisions in bodybuilding. It's free, so go access your free posing tutorial for bikini, figure, or men's physique at learntopose.com.